We continue reading today from John's Gospel. Our reading begins in chapter 11, verse 53, through verse 3 of chapter 12, and we'll continue with verse 12 through 19. Reading from a personal translation. From that day on, they planned to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the people of Judea, but went away from there into the countryside near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. But the Jewish Passover was near, and many people from the countryside went up to Jerusalem to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus in the temple and saying to each other, What do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? And the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, they should make it known so they could arrest him. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They made a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. The next day, the many people who came to the festival heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. And they shouted, Save us! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, sitting on the foal of a donkey. His disciples did not understand these things at first. After Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and were accomplished in him. The crowd who had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the grave and raised him from the dead were bearing witness. And on account of this, the many people who were gathered for the festival went out to meet him because they heard that he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, Look, you have succeeded at nothing. See, the world has gone after him. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. Are you familiar with the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet? It happened on the same night that he was arrested. He and his disciples were sharing a meal, and right in the middle of their eating together, Jesus suddenly gets up from the table. He then removed his outer robe, sort of like a cloak, and he tied a linen towel around his waist, he poured water into a wash basin, and one by one, he began to wash their feet. He then wiped their feet 
with the towel that he had wrapped around his waist. And the scriptures say that Peter and maybe others too resisted the gesture. Something about Jesus, their teacher, placing himself in the posture of what was traditionally the role of the slave made them uncomfortable. To say it another way, it's not that they were uncomfortable with someone washing their feet. It's that they were uncomfortable with Jesus washing their feet. The idea of Jesus, whom they thought so highly of, bending to serve them as one whom they had been taught to look down upon. When it was Peter's turn, Peter couldn't help but say out loud what the others were thinking, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Later meaning not now or today, but in time. Has it ever happened to you that you experience something that doesn't really make sense at first, but then there comes a time later on that you gradually start to understand what took place? And maybe you start to experience what took place in a whole new way. You might have to struggle with it for a while. Or perhaps the meaning of whatever happened begins to emerge only after you experience something else. Still, the memory returns to you over and over again, always through a deeper lens or some new insight or wisdom that you never quite thought of before. And then there are those moments experiences, circumstances, relationships that you never quite seem to know how to wrap your mind around them. The harder you try, the more complicated it seems. It is what we just might call a mystery, not something you solve, but something that you have to figure out how to live with amid the questions that are left unanswered or the pain that does not seem to want to go away. It's in those instances that we hope by the living of our lives each day that we'll one day gain a new perspective and learn how to hold the mysteries or maybe even find the way to let them go. We don't always know ahead of time what it is that they have to teach us, if they contain wisdom at all, or will altogether Keep silence. And sometimes the wisdom is the silence. In any case, Jesus was right. That though Peter was uncomfortable with Jesus washing his feet, in time he would come to understand what Jesus was doing. That for which he was preparing them. Jesus was preparing them, his friends and disciples, not only to understand the meaning of his life, but also to teach them concerning the true character of their own lives, a life they would continue to share together long after his departing. Jesus was imparting wisdom not only about who he was, but also about who they were 
and would become for each other. Thus he said to them, after he had finished washing their feet, Do you know what I have done to you? I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What does this mean? It means that the character of the life of Jesus is meant to become the character of the lives of those who follow Jesus. All those whose lives have been made strange by the gospel. All those who trust that what we discover in the person of Jesus is not only the fullness of God, but also the fullness of what it means to be human. The occasion of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is not the only one in which the scriptures say that his disciples did not yet understand. You may have noticed in today's reading that as Jesus entered Jerusalem, surrounded by the crowds who had come to welcome his entry into the city, his disciples were not immediately able to comprehend the significance of the moment that they were experiencing. And that's not because they weren't paying attention. It is, in fact, precisely because they understood what was happening that the dearest friends of Jesus could not make sense of what it meant and why it mattered. Because the threats from authorities were out in the open, and they were all well aware of the danger that Jesus faced and that they, too, faced by their own willing association. The powers that be had given orders for anyone who knew where Jesus was to let them know. And yet, here they are, entering the city in a most public display as the people who are waving palm branches, an historic symbol of the people's liberation, are making royal claims about Jesus. The chief priests and the Pharisees recognize that this is all too much attention, which is precisely why they find themselves conflicted. Because on the one hand, the crowds love Jesus, at least for now. And having heard about and seen for themselves the signs of his ministry, many in the crowds have come to believe that God is somehow working through him. Thus the leaders in Judea have the makings of a movement that they may have a hard time trying to control. On the other hand, the region of Judea is under the authority of the Roman Empire, and they do not take kindly to claims of authority that in any way would suggest the people's independence. And if the Roman authorities hear what the people are saying about Jesus, and it doesn't seem that the appointed leaders in Judea are ready to act in shutting it down, the consequences could be devastating, not only for Jesus and his followers, but for the temple and the city as well. If we let him go on like this, they said, the Romans will come down and destroy the temple and our people. That is why Caiaphas, the high priest, declares, it is better for one man to die for the people than that the entire nation be destroyed. Given the options, the leaders in Judea decide to try and change the minds of public opinion. 
a plan that is successful, so as to relieve themselves of the pressures posed by their Roman superiors, because they see themselves as ultimately seeking the greater good in the preservation of their own leadership and way of life. But time and time again, history has shown to us that when people of faith are, motivi are motivated by the desire to please crowds and politicians, they are at risk of neglecting the responsibility to discern God's presence in their midst and to act accordingly. So it's no surprise that Jesus said to his disciples, the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they are doing a service to God. And they will do these things because they do not know the Father or me. But I have said these things to you so that when their time comes, you will remember. It was only in hindsight, after Jesus was killed and had risen from the dead, that his disciples began to see and make connections. It was only after that they began to remember and to understand for the first time what had taken place. And it was, as Jesus said it would be, that there would come a time after he had gone away that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them, reminding them of everything that he taught them and guiding them to know the truth as they continued to share in life together. And the truth, as they came to understand it, was this, that Jesus was the promised one of God, the Christ, whose life, sufferings, death, and resurrection make the abundance of the love of God known to us, a love that is not only the character of God, but also the nature and being of the divine. In Christ, the divine word of God, who was eternally with God, came to live among us as a human being in order to reveal the truth about God, and in doing so, to reveal the truth about creation and about ourselves. For God so loved the world that in the person of Jesus, God has redeemed the world. And though there are many moments in our lives when we continue to experience pain and brokenness, our pain and brokenness are not destined to be the end of the story. And though humanity continues to perpetuate various forms of violence and inequity to this day, Jesus offers us a better way. For the God who suffered the injustice of Roman crucifixion has proven once for all its insufficiency. And by the resurrection of Jesus, violence is rejected, intimidation is defeated, and death has been overcome. And all of this means that we are living now, today, in the assurance of God's promise of redemption. 
by the love of God with us, we are living in a world that has already been redeemed. Thus, we are free to live the fullness of life that God desires and makes possible in and through the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with us always. And we do this by living a life that treats people with dignity and that shatters the categories that we create to keep others down. We do this by becoming a church that is restorative of our common humanity and is inspired by the Holy Spirit to discern and to boldly pursue the way of peace. We do this by sharing a faith that is defined by the worship of God and by our service to others. We do this by demonstrating a love that as best we can resembles the character of Jesus in whose life and in whose story we find our own. For the life of God in Jesus, our Lord and our friend, is nothing less than a vision of reality, an eternal mystery that continues to unfold, an abundant hope that deepens with time. And though the gospel to some may seem like a bit of an exaggeration. May it be to us as joy and salvation, world without end. Amen.